Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Cover. I'm your host, John Robb, and I am alone today. My co-host, Jeff Bears, is actually interviewing somebody else at this time in his home city of Seattle. We won't be able to make it tonight, but we are very honored to have very special guest with us, Karen Slaughter, on the launch day of her newest book, The Kept Woman, which is the next in the Will Trent series. So let's jump on the line right now with Karen. It's a very busy day, of course, with launch day and everything going on. So, Karen, thanks so much for carving out some time and talking to us. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm sure a busy day. Launch day it is, The Kept Woman, the next in the Will Trent, uh, in the, in the next in the Will Trent series. So give us a little bit about what's going on in uh, Will's world. Well, you know, I took a departure for, from him for a couple of years. I wrote two books, Cop Town, which is set in the 1970s in Atlanta, and Pretty Girls, which is also in Atlanta, but it's contemporary. Uh, I just needed a little break so that I could figure out a really good story for Will and Sarah, and uh, it kind of came to me as I was working on these other books, and it was the opening for The Kept Woman. And like most Will Trent books, it opens, he's very happy, his life is perfect, and then something horrible happens. Um, (laughs) And the horrible thing this time has something to do with his wife, Angie. Um, and uh, throughout the book, they have to figure out what she's been up to. Now, the one thing that I've noticed about this book, too, is the complexity of it. You have a lot of things that that are kind of all working together and are kind of all, you know, working parallel and then coming together kind of at the end. So was that a challenge to kind of make something so complex and kind of making sure that everything came together nicely? I do think of it like the gears of a clock, you know, that they have to work together to move that story along. Um, And it's fun for me. I think that my readers are a lot like me. You know, we love uh, reading thrillers that have puzzles in them, and there's certainly a lot of puzzles going on. Uh, There's some back and forth in time as well, and, you know, we get a lot of different perspectives from Will and Sarah and Faith Mitchell, and I haven't had Faith Mitchell narrate a book in a couple of books, so she's back doing um, stuff from her own point of view and and suffering fools, not lightly at all. So it it was a lot of fun to just figure out how to make all that work. And, you know, anytime you write a series book, you have to make it work on a couple of levels. And one of them is for people who have never read a Will Trent book before. You know, I have to make sure they can jump right in, they know who everybody is, they get what's going on. And then I have to layer in what uh, I call Easter eggs, uh, like they have in video games, but I, I think it's the same premise where I'm rewarding people who have been reading all along. Yeah, and, and this is now book 10, so now you've got double digits here in, in the series, and just looking at how Will has kind of, 
you know, progressed himself through through the series. How, how do you think he's kind of handled that? You know, how do you think he he's been able to kind of you know do what he's done all the way through the series now through you know into ten books. You know, the thing about um, the series, and, and I did this with my Grant County series, is I really wanted the crimes that they were investigating to resonate and to change them because that's how it is with real police officers and people in real life is, you know, they can't just see the, these horrible things and then they go on and they're fine. And for Will, he certainly has changed in a lot of uh, what I think are positive ways. He's like a, a lot of guys of my generation who were raised by single mothers. Of course, he was raised in a children's home, but raised by a woman. And then, of course, he's got a man to his boss who's kind of a ball breaker, uh, and his partner, Faith, and his girlfriend, Sarah, and his wife, Angie, so he's got a lot of women in his life who are bossing him around, and, you know, of course, Will being a typical guy, he agrees with him and then goes off and does his own thing. Yeah, that's that's smart to agree to their face, but don't get caught doing your own thing unless you can exactly. talk your way out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and would would you say that this would be a good entry point, because you just mentioned about, you know, people who maybe not are familiar with the series and just kind of getting into it. Would you say that this would be a good entry point for them to get into it, or would you maybe recommend them trying out another book before maybe they jump in here? Well, I certainly wouldn't tell people you got to read ten books before you can read this one. Um, right. You know, I, I did. I wrote it so you can just jump right in, you know. Yeah, and you, you find out very quickly who everybody is and what the relationships are and you know, it's it like I said, it's walking that tightrope to make sure that new readers are engaged and really understand what's going on. And really, at the end of the day, I I write thrillers, but I write about the characters, and that's my passion. You know, it's is how are they going to respond to these crimes? How's it going to change them? How's it going to make them different? You know, some cases it brings them closer together, in other cases it pulls them apart. So it was really more about how does this story stand alone and what can I do for my readers that will give them an exciting story? And, you know, you mentioned the human aspect, of course, how Will has to deal with these crimes and, and how it affects his psyche and, and moving forward. What kind of research do you do? How many police officers do you kind of talk to and get in with to understand that part of the psyche? Because you can always get the police procedural things kind of, but it's that it's that psychological part that really takes a lot, I think, a lot more digging into maybe understanding. I am very lucky that the Georgia Bureau of Investigation has been available to me. I've been able to talk to a lot of agents. I've been behind them while they've been on training exercises and doing things like serving no-knock warrants and that kind of stuff. So it's it's pretty exciting to see what they do as a viewer. But, of course, you know, anyone who knows a police officer knows that 90% of their time is filling out paperwork. So the real challenge for me is to make that job seem very exciting and, like, everything's happening very quickly and pacey. Um, but, you know, a, another great thing about just putting those small details in there and talking about uh, cops is I've known these cops for a while. I've seen how their attitudes change. And just as someone who's a writer, I love any time you get a group of people who are in a profession. And it's not just cops, teachers, lawyers, actors, dog walkers. You know, there's this kind of us against them. You know, we know uh, the, how people really are um, and how they crazy they can be and the, the you know, miserable things that they can do to each other. And, and cops, you know, you have to keep in mind they see 
people on their worst day of their lives. Uh, or if, if it's not the worst day, then it's somebody trying to hide something. So it gives you an understanding of, of how they look at the world differently. And, I, and I'm working on my next book, actually, and it has lawyers in it. I've been talking to a lot of lawyers, and I can understand why they develop that jaded attitude because basically people just lie to them all day. <laughs> That's true. You get a lot of that. I mean, having to sift through you know, what's real and what's not to try to get some form of what the truth is, is not an easy profession to do. No, and, you know, then you have to go and represent them, even if uh, you don't quite like them or don't quite believe them. You know, you have to be able to present a case that will actually help them. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of jobs I think I could do, but that would be a tough one for me. And My hat's really off to the people who can do that. You know, and that, that kind of comes down a little bit to a police officer who might – think that the person, what they did, whether or not maybe it's criminal, but they might not feel, well, you shouldn't go to jail for this, you know, that can kind of toll on them, too, to say, I really don't think they should go to jail, but I really have no choice but to take you, and that's just another layer upon layer. I mean, do, do you think that, you know, Will's going to come across a lot of those types of things in the future, and you're going to progress a little bit more further in the emotional side of everything else going on outside of the crime? <laughs> Well, you know, I think I just have to go where the stories take me. Will has definitely dealt with some gray areas. I think all police officers do. And, you know, sometimes we think, oh, well, the cop should have let that person go, or why did the cop, you know, charge him all this stuff? And you think what a great responsibility it is to be a police officer because if you let that person go and they go on to do something worse, then that blows back on you. Um, yeah. So there, there's a reason we have these rules and these laws. So it, it really is very difficult because sometimes the cop has to, you know, think, okay, well, what what are these facts in front of me, and how do I decide what I'm going to do? And it really, it's a weighty responsibility. I think it does wear on people. You know, a lot of police officers will tell you there are a lot of divorces that come with the job. Um, and for the women I spoke with, like when I was working on Cop Town, which I mentioned takes place in the 70s, it's about a couple of police women coming up during that time period. And you just think, gosh, you know, it was it's such a tough job for a woman, and it's really hard for a woman who's a cop to find a guy who isn't intimidated by the fact that she can arrest him and th- throw some handcuffs yeah. on him, and not in a good way. Yeah. Uh, so it, it is it is an interesting um, dynamic, and I love you know faith in in the kept woman. She gets this lecture from her boss Amanda, who's not a great advocate for. Uh, solid relationships, but Amanda says, look, don't let this job turn you against men because all we see is men doing horrible things, but there are some good guys out there, and you need to remind yourself of that. Mm-hmm. The other thing, of course, is the setting, and Atlanta is a huge setting in a lot of your books. I mean, it, it becomes its own character in a way. So when you're sitting down and you're thinking, because it has many different kinds of suburbs and many different little areas of Atlanta around to explore, do you go in there saying, okay, this time I want to set a crime maybe in this part of Atlanta and this, and then that's the way that it's going to go so people are going to understand more of that? Or do you not really think about that and and using it that way? Well, neighborhoods serve as a shorthand. You know, no matter where you live, every town, big or small, has sections, right? 
And and mm-hmm. even in New York City, people don't say, I live in New York City. They say, I live on the Upper West Side or the Lower mm-hmm. East Side. or you know, They really identify themselves by those neighborhoods. And one of the reasons why I stopped writing my Grant County novels, which took place in a very small South Georgia town, and moved it to Atlanta and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, which can... Uh, that they can investigate any crime in the entire state, but predominantly these take place in Atlanta, was because I thought I need a larger place to kill people. You know, if I keep if I keep writing, I know I was uh, the Jessica Fletcher of Grant County. You know, you just you think, well, why are people living in this town with rapists and murderers and pedophiles? It's worse than Congress. Um, So I I had to move to to a bigger place to kill people and that was Atlanta but what I found out is you know I, I I still use the neighborhoods as shorthand for how the what type of person this is you know like Buckhead is a very wealthy section of Atlanta it's a big mixture of new money and old money but it's it's all big money you know so we have um, athletes and um, rock stars and rap stars living alongside, you know, Kenny Rogers and someone who's like we call them Buckhead Betty's, who's lived in Buckhead her entire life, and you know she's married to a doctor and lives that kind of life, right? So mm-hmm. I, you know, if I and if I want someone quirky and cool, they're from Little Five Points, which is kind of a quirky, cool part of Atlanta. And yeah. and I, I noticed that I have been using that shorthand a lot, uh, and it's a lot of fun to make fun of the other neighborhoods because, of course, I live in the the coolest and the best neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm in LA, so of course, LA is just a little city with a ton of suburbs and. Yeah, I mean, you've been out here before, too, so you get that with the Beverly Hills and the Hollywoods and the Malibus and, you know, the Santa Monica. They're all different. And so oh, when you're yeah. writing about those little areas, yeah, they become part of the character and the story. And that gives you an idea of, like, oh, like when you drive through Atlanta, like you said, Buckhead, it's like, I remember this, you know, from, from the book, and this is the area, and, and this is kind of what it is. And, and, and that also lends to um, the complexity of, of the stories. I agree, and you know, setting is very important. You you talk about Los Angeles. I mean, I love Mike Connolly just for that reason because he's so great at setting the scene, and you know. But it, I think that we all write from our own personal experience. Even when uh, Ray Bradbury was writing about Mars, he was really writing about the small town he grew up in, Uh, and and there are all those touchstones. They're usually a similar cast of characters. You know, the busybody, the town slut, the the self-righteous preacher type, all of those people, they still exist in large cities. Um, and the, the thing about telling a story is you have to be careful to make them realistic and believable and to balance them out and to give someone who's reading the book a, that, that very rooted sense of place. Now, Jeff isn't here, but he had a question. He goes, okay, tell Karen that I'm, uh, that I'm asking this question because he wanted to know, so he's going to go back and listen to it. But okay. when do you think the, the, the fine line kind of is, I guess, the violence rise with the thriller and maybe turning it into a little bit more of a horror story? Um, well, I think it's a very different approach, you know, um, but there's also a reason Stephen King writes thrillers and horror. I think it has to do with the pacing as well. Um, for, to me, horror sometimes can go into the supernatural realm, um, and that's definitely not what I'm writing in my books, not that I don't no. enjoy reading that occasionally. Uh, but I, I think it's an interesting question that I often get as a woman, 
that my contemporaries who are men do not get. You know, I, I, I was just at BoucherCon, which was in New Orleans. This is a great mystery convention that's held every year, and there are tons and tons of uh, my fellow authors, so I get to hang around with them. And, you know, there's Lee Child and Mark Billingham and John Connolly and Harlan Coben and Jeff Deaver has been before. And, you know, I, I, so I get to talk to them, and, and very seldom are they asked, Three questions. One is, are you married? Two is, do you have kids? Uh, and three is to talk about the violence in your books. Um, and, you know, Lee's books, for instance, which I love, Lee Child. I think Jack Reacher's a fantastic creation. But they can be very violent. Um, and we actually, through no fault of our own, wrote about very similar topics last year. Um, and I can't remember the name of his book, but it took place in Mother's Rest. I remember that. But when he read my book, he said, you're going to think it's funny when you read mine because we're doing similar things. And and it's true, but no one asked him about, wow, this is some violent stuff. And I just think that it it goes with the territory of being a male author. No one says, are you married or do you have children? Or the the great example is, um, how can you write this if you have children? Not not to, not that Jeff said any of that, but you know it's just something that that comes to mind because I do get asked a, a bit about that. And actually, I think that the thing is you have to put violence in context. And I'm not a writer who's going to write to titillate. You know, if someone is sexually assaulted, that's a horrible thing. It's almost a, akin to a murder because the person you were before that assault is gone. That person is dead. You will never be that person ever again. And so I want to really put that in context and say to the reader, this is what's happening. And if you look at just the world in general, it's a very dangerous place for a woman. I love that Louis C.K. joke. You know, he talks about the difference between a man getting ready for a blind date and a woman. You know, the guy's like, oh, you know, is my hair combed right? Does my breath smell? Is she going to have sex with me? And the woman's like, I hear says to her friends, we're going to be here, here, and here's my number in case he kills me, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So, you know, even the FBI and um, the CDC, when they track the leading causes of death for women from age 0 to 45, if you look at the top five, you'll always see homicide there uh, until the age of 45, and then no one cares about us until we're in their 60s again, apparently. Um, but you know, it's it it is a something that women think about, and I think it's a natural thing for women to want to write about that. And we write about it in a way that terrifies other women, and I think scares some men because they don't want to know that women know about these things. Um, and and to me, I, I feel a great responsibility when I'm writing those passages. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you can kind of see that you the differences in, in, in some of the writing styles. And I don't know, and, and I've seen a lot of women authors, and I think sometimes they try to go maybe way above the other way to maybe show that they're not, uh, you know, soft, I guess, in some way, which, you know, we've been doing this for years and read so many. And from now, I don't even really see the author name on the book anymore. I just read to see the content because whether it's a man or a woman doesn't really make a difference for me because I reread so much. But I wonder if that's why some of the older authors like a J.A. Jance and, you know, you even mentioned like J.B. Fletcher, you put the initials on because were they doing that for the fact that they wanted people to think, oh, is this a man or a woman or does it really make a difference and just read the book? 
Well, you know, it, it's interesting because I was on a panel at VoucherCon where we talked about this because, I mean, frankly, as female writers, we have a lot of men who say to us, I don't read books by women. Um, yeah, I never and I, that. I, I did another panel with a, a bunch of guys. I, I can't remember the name of the, the author, a guy, who said to me, you know, my orthopedist said he's not going to read my new book series because the protagonist is a woman and he's just not interested in women's stories. And I think that's such a, a, a chilling thing and a, a chilling message to send to women is that our stories don't matter and that, you know, they're not interesting. And I understand that for a long time, you know, you had a lot of soft books being written and they were basically romances where people died. They weren't thrillers. But, I mean, it's 2016. Women are writing really yeah. meaty, gripping thrillers. I love Mohater, Denise Mina, Lisa Unger, Alifair Burke, Lisa Gardner, Tess Gerritsen. I mean, there's a long list of women who are writing what they call muscular thrillers um, that really grab you and they really shock people and they do all the great things that thrillers do, but they also make sure that there's balance, you know. When I grew up and mm-hmm. in, in, I was reading thrillers in the 1980s, uh, it, basically women were there as accessories. You know, they had to be saved or screwed. Uh, or if they were sure. sexually assaulted, then the only way they could be healed was through the loving of the hero. You know, I mean, it was it was that kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. And if you look now, I mean, I mentioned Mike Connolly, Mark Billingham, Lee Child. These guys really write complex women, interesting women, you know, especially Lee Child. Jack Reacher does not meet weak women. All the women he meets, they don't need saving. They're, they're like, let's shoulder to shoulder or shoulder to waist because Reacher's like 80 feet tall. Let's go into battle together. And Reacher it, it welcomes that and appreciates that. And I, I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I try not to, I, I mean, we just, when we read, I just read. I just like to see the story. I mean, John Land has Caitlin Strong, and he's been writing for years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, with the woman, Texas Ranger, and, and it's becoming, uh, I think, a little bit, I think it's becoming a little bit more popular with men to start writing a little bit more, you know, female protagonists. And so do you think that with, like, the popularity of Gone Girl and the Girl on the Train and these kinds of books where women are, you know, very strong and, uh, in the books and no longer that you know the weak link i guess if you want to say having to be saved like you said do you think that we're going to start seeing a change do you think that this is finally going to get out of people's systems because i've heard the panels at thriller fest um the same way that you have you know with lisa gardner and i don't know if you were on that one or not a couple of years ago and i was just really kind of, kind of shaking my head like i can't believe that in 2014-15 that people really still think this way well, there was a, recently an article in New York Times about a, uh, the man's book club that these guys started, and the first rule was we don't read women. So it still goes on. But I will say this, you know, the guys in the mystery community, and I see them at Thriller Fest, I see them at BoucherCon, I see them in bookstores, I read their blogs, they're very progressive, for lack of a better word. All they care about is, is this a good story? Am I going to enjoy it? They really don't care about the name on the jacket. You know, they're open to reading a lot of different Mm -hmm. people. And I don't know if that's because they work in bookstores or because guys who read books, uh, who read fiction are smarter (laughs) than guys who don't. (laughs) Uh, But, I mean, it it is something that I will say that that I have seen the community embrace. Um, 
And, you know, I remember one of my first events I did abroad. I was in Holland, and I was at a crime festival, and this guy who was a Dutch author of crime novels came up to me and said, well, you know, it's very demoralizing for us men that women are suddenly getting so much attention. And I said, well, you've had 2,000 years, so why don't you give us maybe a decade or something like that? So is it going to last? I don't know. I hope so. Um, I hope that we will see much more diversity, not just between male and female, but Asian, African American, Native American. I mean, I think there are so many fantastic writers out there, and publishers have maybe said, well, no one's interested in these stories, but now they're realizing um, and I'm, part of it is because of the Internet, because suddenly, you know, you can go to forums where there are African-Americans and Asians and whatever asking for books for them. Um, so I think that hopefully we'll see more diversification and it won't really matter from now on, you know, whose name is on the jacket and, and people will just read it for the story. Yeah, because it's the story that matters in the end, and you're one of the very few authors from America that actually resonate in the European community because there's several other big authors in the United States that just can't sell over in Europe. And, and it's the stories that matter. And, you know, you're, the, the, the police procedural, the how you're writing, uh, the complexity, the emotional thing, I think really resonates over in Europe and around in other, in other you know, communities outside of just the United States. I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, just as a a woman writing these kinds of books, when I started, I mean, I love Sue Grafton. I love Sarah Paretsky. Paretsky was a revelation to me reading as a young woman. But I I think people will agree my books are very different from theirs. Um, And when I first started out, it was really women writing those types of stories. It was me, Patricia Cornwell, and Kathy Rice. And now we have so many women who are doing this. But, you know, it was a, they were a lot more open to that in Europe. They were more open to the serialized stories. Um, everybody wanted standalones in America because they said Americans had a really short attention span and they couldn't hand, handle having series, right? Well, then television started doing what books do, right? And then we had Sopranos mm-hmm. and Breaking Bad and stuff like that, and suddenly people were saying, hey, people want really involved series stories. So, you know, I feel like I've been writing yeah. in the right time period for me, and I've been really lucky that I have readers, not just in America, yeah. though I love my American readers, but all over the world who are interested in reading the stories that I have to tell. Well, Karen, we want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. We know that it's late, and thank you for staying up, and congratulations on yet another fabulous, successful book. On your launch date, again, everybody, the book is called The Kept Woman, and this was Karen Slaughter talking to you. So, Karen, thanks so much for coming on. It has been a blast again to speak with you, so thank you. You too, and tell Jeff uh, he better show up next time. I will. <laughs> yeah, this time he, he said he said I gotta go. He goes, they're, they're they're in desperate situation and they need me to do it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So yeah, I'll, I'll get on we'll for that. And I'm sure time. when he hears this, he's gonna be he's gonna be sitting there because you know Jeff. He's gonna be like, oh God, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you have a good one, and thanks so much. And have fun on your book tour because I'm sure it's gonna be kicking off tomorrow and going strong for a long time. Absolutely. Thanks. All right. Bye bye. So, again, everybody, that is best-selling author Karen Slaughter. Make sure you go out and get the latest, the latest book in the Will Trent series called The Kept Woman. It is now book 10 in the series. Will Trent is back after a couple years, 
So make sure that you jump out there and you grab that one. It is out today in whatever format you choose to buy it in. It is there and it is available on all platforms and on all levels. Um, and you can go get it. And of course, always visit KarenSlaughter.com. That's K-A-R-I-N, KarenSlaughter.com for more information on everything that she has going on, especially her Save the Libraries Foundation, which she does such wonderful work in. Since Jeff isn't here, I'm not just going to sit here and talk for a half hour uh, about things. I mean, there's a couple books that I'm reading, there's a, and we will get back with that when Jeff comes back on. There's a lot of stuff that's happening that we'll, we'll talk in a couple weeks. Um, get into some new things and stuff like that. But we're going to cut this short for this half hour. It was more of a special event just to bring Karen on because we had to try to work around her schedule. And, again, it's always great to be able to talk with her and uh, and just get inside her head because there's just there's just so much entertainment that comes out of that and onto these books that um, you can tell why she's very, very popular. So, again, everybody, make sure that you uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. You can get the radio right when it's done. You can get it right into whatever listening device you're going to listen to us on. Remember, all of the, all the shows this year are brought to you by Kensington Books. So please, just visit kensingtonbooks.com. Check out their books. Check out their authors. See if you like anything. Um, got a lot of great stories out there that they're writing, so make sure you go check them out. So we will see you all next time. And again, just like we always like to say, keep reading. See you later.